This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. What's a school year look like for your family? For many parents, there is actually more uncertainty regarding schooling options going into the fall than last year. Many states have responded with mandates, new school choice programs, and many parents have responded by turning to homeschooling. Cato adjunct Carrie McDonald gives a preview into what she sees in the coming school year. For a lot of parents, uh, 2020 through 2021, the school year was uh, an exercise in stoicism, potentially at its best, handling a very difficult situation. A lot of teachers seem to be of differing opinions about whether or not students should be back in the classroom. So uh, what does this fall look like? I think this fall back to school season is just as uh, uncertain and unsettling as the last. Um, You know, we see, for example, changing mask guidance. Uh, The American Academy of Pediatrics this month came out with recommendations saying that all children to and over should be masked at schools this fall, regardless of vaccination status, as well as staff. Um, That's similar, although it goes further than the current CDC guidelines saying that uh, unvaccinated students should be masked in schools. And, you know, this is going to create a real challenge, I think, for teachers and administrators, the Associated Press, for example, saying that it will be very difficult uh, on a daily basis for educators to figure out who has to be masked and who doesn't have to be masked, and that they're suggesting that many school districts will simply avoid that challenge by requiring everyone to be masked. Uh, and so, you know, there's there's that uncertainty. There's rising coronavirus cases in several parts of the country at this point that are leading to continued virus fears among parents, um, and real, um, you know, again, real sort of unpredictability about will there be school closures here and there? Will there, uh, you know, be a return to remote learning? Will there be uh, quarantines for students who are exposed to the virus? Uh, States, as well as the CDC, has uh, recommended frequent virus testing and uh, continued social distancing in classrooms. And so for a lot of these reasons, I think parents are saying uh, we may not want to send our kids back to the classroom, um, whether it's because the pandemic policies are too stringent or not stringent enough. Uh, in, in, in either case, a lot of parents are saying uh, we want to look for other options. And like a lot of policies in schools, the middle ground will probably satisfy no one. Yeah, the middle ground, I, I think, is tricky. I mean, I think it's tricky in public schools in general because there is that vying for power. Um, you know, public schools are sort of inherently political and, and um, you know, wanting control over curriculum and over policies. And it creates these battles. Uh, you know, Cato and Neil McCluskey at the Center for Educational Freedom at Cato do a great job with the public schooling battle map of showing a lot of these, um, you know, conflicts that exist because one side is trying to push its will upon another through uh, the public school system. And so the real answer there is school choice and educational freedom. And a silver lining, as we've talked about before, from this pandemic year has been growing support for school choice policies at record high levels now, 74%, I believe it is, and according to the most recent Real Clear Opinion Research poll showing um, tremendous support for school choice policies from taxpayers. So I have seen some polling, maybe this is from Ed Choice, of low-income and minority parents uh, 
their support for school choice is as high as it ever was or higher? Yeah, I think it's crossing demographic groups. Um, and of course, a lot of my work is uh, with the homeschooling community and seeing just tremendous growth in homeschooling this year. The Census Bureau finding uh, in February report that homeschool rates have tripled from pre-pandemic levels to now over 11% of the overall K-12 school age population is being homeschooled. That's over 5 million students. Uh, and the Census Bureau found that one of the biggest drivers of that growth was Black homeschooling families, that um, there was a five-fold increase from last spring to the fall in um, Black families choosing to homeschool, so that now in fact, um, Black students are overrepresented in the homeschooling population compared to the public school population. Uh, and so, you know, I think that this is, again, uh, across the board, parents are choosing uh, alternatives to their local district school for a wide variety of reasons. Uh, and the pandemic is certainly um, the catalyst for that. Some percentage of those parents who are taking their kids to homeschooling, uh, they'll be back. Some percentage won't. I think that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, I think we just don't know yet. Uh, I I would have said if you had asked me, you know, probably in early June, what percentage of that uptick in, in homeschooling families over the past year would be going back into the classroom this fall, I would have said it would be a much larger number than I now think it will be simply because of this continued changing policies and uh, continued uncertainty um, that we see the back-to-school season shaping up to be. Okay, so uh, for new homeschoolers, and you've written a book about this, uh, for new homeschoolers, what do they need to know? Well, my recommendation for uh, new homeschoolers or even families just wondering what their options are uh, is to begin by um, searching local Facebook groups or social media networks, uh, local community groups that um, focus on homeschooling. Most of these Facebook groups have seen tremendous growth over the last year. They're uh, typically very welcoming of curious parents who are seeking other options, and they can help families at the very local level figure out what they need to do to comply with homeschooling regulations in their state, what sorts of curriculum resources are available. Now, uh, hopefully, museums and libraries will stay open for the time being. And so, again, these homeschool networks can help to direct families to these community resources that really uh, augment and enhance uh, homeschooling. So I would start there. I also have a new ebook out called The Curious Parent's Guide to um, Education Options that also gets into some more of this as well. I don't know if I've mentioned this here before, but my daughter attends a micro school uh, and we're very extremely happy with it. My son will be, this is a, it's a preschool. My son will be going there uh, soon. And I couldn't be happier with it. And so I wonder, do we have a sense of the extent to which that has increased? Yeah. So the term pandemic pod came on the scene in July of 2020, as a lot of families last year were trying to figure out how to navigate back to school then. Uh, and I think that they're really here to stay, that that a lot of families like yours are satisfied with these small learning communities that are often home-based um, very often multi-age, but small groups of students, either with parents sort of taking turns uh, providing curriculum and instruction or supervision, or in many cases, 
families pooling resources to hire an educator to lead that curriculum. Uh, and, and, you know, we saw pre-pandemic real uh, momentum among the micro-school movement. This was something that was gaining a lot of popularity nationwide. There were some, um, you know, high-quality networks like Acton Academy or Prenda that were already making um, headway in many places to provide some of these alternatives to school for families that wanted more of a hybrid homeschooling option. And the pandemic response and school closures over the past year have really just accelerated that movement. So I think a lot of parents are realizing that they have more choices than they may otherwise have thought. And a lot of these choices are uh, even better and more fulfilling, more academically rigorous than maybe they, they had in their typical school. Has there been much talk from school systems uh spokespeople, various school systems or unions talking about how they're going to respond to this because you lose students, you lose funding. And, and it, it's, it's, the, it's, it's an incentive-based thing. I would imagine that schools have to be very interested in uh, doing something to attract parents back. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if, uh, if school districts rely on more recruitment measures or if instead they rely on retaliation and uh, decide to crack down, for example, on homeschooling freedoms or try to regulate microschools. Several states have tried to introduce legislation to protect these learning pods or these microschools, as well as uh, homeschooling co-ops and other types of homeschooling arrangements. So it, it remains to be seen what the response to this will be. I think um, one positive, perhaps, is that as these numbers of families grow um, to in the millions, that it will be harder for government authorities to crack down. And if I know anything about the homeschooling community as a whole, it is that they are uh, fiercely jealous of their ability to do what they want with their own kids. Yes, I, homeschoolers um, have a well-earned reputation for being very vocal about protecting their homeschooling freedoms and their educational rights and their ability to raise and educate their children as they see fit. So I think they'll be ready to push back against any uh, proposed legislation that might limit those freedoms. Carrie McDonald is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.